take your Bibles, please turn with me over to the book of Colossians, the book of Colossians chapter 2, Colossians chapter number 2. I don't think I will be able to complete the message this morning. I'm just going to follow the Lord and uh, what I don't get to, we'll come back and finish it tonight. And uh, so, I took some pressure off of me right there. Sometimes I feel like I've got too much material to cover or too many verses to expound to try to get it all into one message. Uh, but we'll see how far we get. When you find your place, Colossians 2, hope you'll be back tonight in the 5 o'clock service for the evening service. I love our Sunday night services. You can all stand. <laughs> that was just weird right there. That was like the worst wave ever. <laughs> Colossians chapter 2 with verse number 1. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. How's that for an introduction? As a statement right there. And this I say, verse 4, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith. In Christ, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. We'll stop right there. I'm going to preach for a little bit today. On the secret to stability. The secret to stability. We find that word in verse number 7. Talk about being established in the faith. He referred to it in verse number 5. In your, the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. And just ask the Lord to help me be able to communicate to you this morning. My burden for stability in our lives as Christians. Lord help us this morning as we open our hearts and our minds I pray that you would uh, allow us, Lord, to forget about yesterday, not worry about tomorrow, but just for a little while. May we all be in one mind and one accord as we dig through the scriptures. Give me power and liberty, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You can be seated. It's, uh, I don't know, maybe it was just being at the men's conference on Friday night and Saturday morning. What a blessing it was to be in an environment where uh, no doubt the, the, the large majority of the men that were there, and there were quite a young, few young men, some boys there, uh, we had, I think, kind of a, a, a centralized, unified desire, and that was to see God do something in our church, our, our, our own individual local churches. That was the heartbeat of that meeting, the pastor and his mighty men Brother Watson, this was the 11th year that we've had this conference, and um, it's grown every year. In fact, we were talking last night as we got home. I said if he had a bigger place, I'm sure we'd be running a 1,000 by now. There's just there's nowhere to put people. Um, they're sitting in the choir, and their chairs all up in the front and all down the aisles and all lined up all the way in the back, and people sitting in overflow rooms. And the, the one thing that draws men from all over the country to that meeting is... Uh, there's a desire to see God do something more in our churches. Um, I'm, I'm, for one, not interested in playing church. I've been in church my whole life, and I've been to places where it was obvious that it was just a, it was a formality. Church was just a game. It was just a place where people went when they felt like it, and it's a social club. They just didn't seem to understand the, the seriousness of the local church, and they didn't seem to understand that the church is the agent by which God decided to reach the world and change the world in the New Testament church dispensation or the grace dispensation as we studied this morning. And, and, and one of the things, I, I guess I was sitting there looking around 
at, at all these different men, and there were men, white-headed preachers that had been preaching the gospel for 40 years, sitting right next to a new convert, a guy that this is his first men's conference, and he, he was just kind of like this, didn't know what to think about all the, the preaching. It's, it's pretty hardcore. Uh, the singing, the, the amening, the shouting, men that get excited about the goodness of God. You know, kind of like they do like at a NASCAR or a ball game, except it was about God. And a lot of people have never seen men, grown men, get excited and rejoice over the goodness of God. And it was just a great environment. I'm looking, I'm just looking at all these different people and I'm taking in all these different uh, individuals from all these different backgrounds and and they're all sitting there with their Bible open. And, and I thought to myself, uh, what a blessing it is for these, these new Christians, these new converts to be able to rub shoulders with some seasoned, stable Christians that have a testimony of walking with God. And I guess maybe that just that, that, that burden was on my heart. How awesome would it be if every Christian in the church was a stable Christian? There's so much up and down, fluctuating, hot and cold, in and out. And when I talk about struggling, I'm not talking about the struggles that Christians have daily, struggling with their flesh and, and struggling with their this battle between our flesh and our spirit, this battle between our will and the will of God. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a, a, a life that is just one of commitment and consistency and faithfulness and stability that God can use you to, to make a difference and, and be a, a, a force, a powerful force in your church. And I guess maybe that was just kind of on my heart as I came home from the meeting last night. And as I was looking at these verses in Colossians, I recognized the Apostle Paul uh, referenced that, that concept, the idea of Christians being established and being stable and, and having, having some consistency in their life. And I don't know that I'll get to the actual meat of my message, the secrets uh, to stability, but we'll try to lay the groundwork this morning. But if we'll look in our text in Colossians chapter number two, we see a couple things that are, I think are vitally important in this process of stability. We find it starts in verse number six, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. Write this down if you're taking notes by way of introduction. Three things we notice this process of stability. It starts with receiving Christ. It goes without saying, but I have to say it. In order to be stable, it is imperative that you first be saved. Unsaved people, unregenerated people will never be a stable Christian. And unfortunately, I'm convinced that many of our churches, even our Bible preaching churches and our gospel preaching churches, many of them are filled with unsaved church members, unregenerated church members. James Moffat said this, listen carefully, within every congregation there is a small nucleus of people who believe. And they are surrounded by a much larger group of people who believe that they believe. The level of deception in this area of false professions is staggering. J. Harold Smith, a famous radio preacher back in the day, said this, and I quote, 75% of people that attend church won't make it to heaven. I won't be afraid to say that 80% won't make it. Walking into a garage doesn't make you a car. And climbing up in a tree doesn't make you a bird. And going to church doesn't make you saved. R.A. Torrey, he lived from 1856 to 1928. R.A. Torrey, a Bible teacher, an educator, Bible conference speaker, editor, of the books called The Fundamentals of the Faith. One of the most prominent evangelists in the heyday of America's revival era said he believed only 10% of those who professed to be believers were really converted. Now, I didn't say that, he did. Hey, preacher, what are you trying to say? I'm saying that I think the problem that we're having today 
is that we don't have a lot of people that are unstable in our churches. We've got bastards. And that's a Bible term. They're illegitimate. They're not true Christians. They just think they are. And this was, this was burdening my heart that I feel like many times pastors are trying to make stable Christians out of lost people. Trying to get people that have never been regenerated to live their life for God. They've never been, been born again. It cannot be done, by the way. Even those of us that have been saved cannot live the Christian life without the help of God. How much harder would it be for an unsaved person to live a consistent, faithful, stable Christian life? They cannot do it. It is impossible. Down through the years, the gospel message has been so weakened. The message of repentance has been removed. The gospel of change and transformation, the life of a true believer has been omitted from many pulpits and people today think they can pray a little prayer, they can say a few little words and it's some kind of magic formula and now all of a sudden they've been born again, saved by the grace of God and that is unfortunately that is not how it works. For me as a pastor, it is not my job or my responsibility to figure out who's saved and who's not saved. But I'm being honest with you in that I'm burdened for many people that think they're saved and they are not saved. Can I figure out why their life is just one of complete turmoil and upheaval and why they cannot ever seem to get on the right track with God? There's a good possibility you've never been born again. The devil sold you a false bill of goods, a counterfeit salvation experience. By the way, there's no marvel that the angel, uh, the trans, Satan could transform himself into the angel of light. There's a lot of people walking in the devil's light, not God's. The number one cause of instability in our churches is a lack of true salvation. The problem with many church members is that they're struggling with stability only because they've never been born again. The flock is full of goats, not sheep. Is everybody still with me? They've been deceived into thinking that they're saved, but have absolutely no fruit of salvation. I heard a preacher say it like this one time. He says, if I had what some of you had, I'd trade it for a mule and shoot the mule. And if I had what some of you had, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. Afraid if I wake up, I'd wake up in hell. The first step to stability is you've got to receive Christ. That's, that's first base. You've got to be born again. You may, somebody may need to be here this morning, may need some serious soul searching. And check and make sure you're saved. Jesus said it like this, many will say to me in that day. Many will say to me in that day at the great white throne judgment, not a few, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? That means preachers, pulpiteers, men that stood behind the sacred desk and opened the scriptures and expounded the scriptures and had the position as a teacher or a preacher. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I say unto them, Depart from me, I never knew you, ye that work iniquity. Right. Yeah. Now that's, what, that's the words of Christ. Those verses are in red. Jesus said, straight is the way, and there is the gate that leadeth to life everlasting, and few there be that find it. Few. Christianity has become a genre. Christian bookstores and Christian music and Christian this and Christian that, and it's nothing more than a marketing scheme targeting a select a, a, a group of people, but when you get right down to it, many times what has the name Christian on it is nothing at all what the Bible would describe as Christian. People have such a misconception of what being a Christian is. You ask them, are you a Christian? Yeah, I was born a Christian. I was born in America. I'm a Christian. It's a Christian nation. I come from a Christian family. 
I went to a Christian school. I went to a, I went to a Christian this and Christian that. But they have no fruit, biblical fruit of true Christianity. I wonder why they're up and down, in and out, hot and cold, back and forth. Never been saved. Notice the process. It starts with receiving Christ. And then secondly, look at what it says in verse number seven, rooted in Christ. Write that down. Rooted and built up in him. Roots are absolutely a necessity for stability. You can't have stability as a plant without a root system. God designed it for the plants to have roots. That way they can stay in one place. We got a lot of tumbleweed today. Rolling all over the place. Rooted in Christ. Put some roots down. But your root system cannot be in a, in a, in a, in a church. And I'm, I'm local church from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I'm so local church that I'm in church every time the doors are open. And I'm in church a lot of times when doors aren't open. That's why I got a key. Amen. I'm local church. I don't miss church. I don't miss church for any reason unless I'm in the bed with a fever. I don't, I don't, I don't miss church on vacation. When I go on vacation, I go to church. <laughs> Even when our church isn't having church, I go to church somewhere else that's having church. I'm all about church. I love church and I'm all about being rooted in church and I'm all about being faithful and committed to the church. But I'm talking about this the secret of stability is you better be rooted in something other than a church or a building or an organization. You cannot be rooted in your pastor. How many times have you heard me say that? Don't be rooted in me. I might let you down. You can't be rooted in your spouse. Wives cannot be rooted in their husbands. Husbands can't be rooted in their wives. Well, my wife's been saved longer than I have. I'm I'm leaning on her. You better not. That ain't how it's designed to work. You can't be rooted in your parents, young people. You can't be rooted in a denomination. You can't be rooted in a movement. can't be rooted in a place. You have to be rooted in a person, and it's Jesus Christ. The reason why a lot of people are not stable is because they're not rooted in Christ. They haven't cultivated a relationship with Jesus Christ. They've cultivated a relationship with other people that were rooted in Christ. Or they were, uh, they've cultivated a relationship with other people that thought they were rooted in Christ. That's why they're up and down all over the place. You won't make it. You won't last. You won't be here this time next year if you're not rooted in Jesus Christ. I was talking to a pastor. We were on the way down to, um, we were on the way down to the men's meeting. Brother uh, Leader and I, I was on the phone. Uh, we, we, we were, it was a working trip for us. We were, we were checking on missionaries and vetting missionaries and we were working and we was on the phone calling pastors and trying to find some new missionaries to take on. And I called a, a pastor in Georgia and I said, how's it going? He said, man, my church, he said, I just can't keep people. They just come in, they leave. They come in, they leave. They're there for a little while, they leave. They come in, they get all excited. Well, this is the greatest church ever. I love the preaching, love the environment, love what I'm hearing, love, love what my children are, are, are being uh, uh, taught. And I'm, well, I'm just so excited I found this place. And six months later, the FBI can't find them. They, don't, they, they, they give no reason for leaving. They never sit down and have a conversation with the pastor and bring their Bible says we really feel like we can't stay because you're preaching this doctrine or, or you're teaching this. It's, it's not doctrinal issues. It's not the stand of the church. It's not the preaching style of the pastor. It is a lack of stability in the fact that they have never been rooted in Christ. They're like tumbleweed. You never know where they're going to end up. You have to be rooted in Christ. I stress that often from this pulpit, but I cannot emphasize it enough. You need to make sure that you are rooted in Jesus Christ. Receive Christ, rooted in Christ. Thirdly, respond to Christ. Look at our text, verse seven. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught. 
Look at verse 6. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. As ye have received, so walk ye. Well, how did you receive him? Well, you received him by faith. You received him. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word. You received Christ because someone preached Christ and you put faith in Christ and you got saved because you put faith in the gospel as you have received him, so walk ye. Once you hear the preaching, once you hear the teaching, once you hear the word of God, you just believe it and you walk in it. You respond to it. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. They respond. You go out to, a, you go out to a, 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 an auction, cattle auction, they separate those calves from those mamas, put them in a separate pen. You all you talk about the racket. All the mooing and the and the lowing and all the carrying on. And it's amazing. You can have a hundred calves in a pen, and you can have a hundred cows in a pen. And you let one of them calves get loose, and he's going straight to his mama. Now they all sound the same to me. They all sound the same to me. And there goes that calf. And he'll pass by 80 cows and go start, start nudging, uh, the, the, uh, nudging the mama. You tell me that calf with an IQ of about four has got more sense than a born again child of God? When somebody's saved and somebody's born into the family of God and they hear his voice, they respond to his voice. Show me somebody that never responds to the voice of God and I'm going to show you somebody that probably ain't never been born again. Can constantly ignore the voice of God, never respond, never move, never be prompted to get closer to him. There is something wrong. And over and over and over again, the Bible's clear. As you have received him, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up, as you have been taught. Respond to Christ. The disciples walked with Christ. We walk in Christ. That's even better. Jesus said it like this. It's expedient that I go away. Because if I'm here, the comforter won't come. I'm paraphrasing. He said, I, it's expedient that I go away so that I can send you a comforter and he will, he will indwell you and live within you. And like the disciples were walking with Christ and spent 24-7 with him and they worked together and ministered together and ate together and, and, and slept together and worked together. He, he said, I'm leaving and I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit so that you can walk in Christ. It's a relationship. It's, it's inseparable. Stable Christians are those that have been taught in the faith and responded to it. And he went on to say that they, in verse number seven, abounding therein with thanksgiving. As you have been taught, abounding. You're not just saved, you're not just rooted, but you're abounding. And you're excited about it. You're growing and you're thankful. You're abounding with thanksgiving. The Christian life is exciting. And there's a thriving and there's a flourishing that comes with responding to what you have been taught. We find that word abounding used in another place to signify that, that, that comparison with stability being rooted. He, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Steadfast, unmovable. Boy, I ought to have a church full of people like that. Steadfast, unmovable. I was thinking about the, the, the pastor in his mighty men's conference and some of you men said, preacher, I, I hate you didn't get to preach. I thought, it's fine, I'll preach Sunday morning and everybody will get to hear it. I was just disappointed about not getting one of them shotguns they give all the preachers. They give all the preachers that preach a shotgun. And I didn't get to preach, so I didn't get a shotgun. I didn't even get a pea shooter out of it. But <laughs> Ephesians 4, 
And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors. Say, I thank God for my pastor. There was a lot of emphasis on that. Uh, Thanking God for the, the, the gift of the pastor to the church and the labor and the ministry of the pastor in the church and understanding that and allowing the relationship between the men and the pastor to be such that the pastor is able to do what God put him there to do. Well, Ephesians 4 tells you why he put the pastor in the church. He gave some pastors for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That would be henceforth no more children, verse 14, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, stability. The pastor's job description is to help stabilize the Christian. Responding to Christ. The downsides of instability, by the way, is you will never excel as a Christian if you're unstable. In Genesis chapter number 49, turn over there right quick. I want to show you something. Genesis chapter number 49, we find a man by the name of Jacob. He's called all of his sons together. And he's blessing them or cursing them, whatever the case might be. Some of, them, some of it was blessing, some of it was curses. I want you to see this. Genesis 49. Verse 1, Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Gather yourselves together and hear you sons of Jacob, and hearken unto Israel your father. Look at verse 3. Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might, the beginning of my strength, and the excellence of dignity, and the excellency of power. What a great, great description of his firstborn son. My might, the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity, and the excellency of power. And then you get to verse 4. Unstable is water. Thou shalt not excel. What a statement. Well, that's the last thing a man wants to hear from his dad. That's the last thing a man would want to hear described as my might and the beginning of my strength and the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. And then Jacob turned right around and completely shattered that image of might and power and excellency and strength when he told him that he would never excel because he was unstable as water. Talking about stability. He went on to describe the reason why was because he lacked the moral character. He lacked integrity. He said in verse 4, Because thou wentest up to thy father's bed, then defilest thou it. The Bible tells us in chapter 35 of Genesis, in verse number 22, that Reuben went in and lay with his father's concubine. And the Bible says in that chapter, and Jacob heard it. Jacob found out about it. And here's what he said. You had a lot of potential. A lot going for you. But you lack the moral character. I can't bless you. You're unstable. And I got to thinking about that statement, unstable as water. What a, what a, what a description. Thou shalt not excel. The same thing would apply to a believer that is unstable as water. They will never excel. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. This has nothing to do, I'm talking about true people that are saved. I'm talking about true born again believers now, okay? We've turned a corner. We went from the false professions. We're now talking to people that are just unstable Christians. Are y'all still with me? This doesn't affect your salvation, but you will never excel. You'll never reach your full potential. You'll never to be the force that God designed and planned for you to be in the local church and in the world if you do not figure out the secret to stability, because if you are unstable as water, you will not excel. I got to thinking about unstable as water. What a statement. I begin to think about what I got. A, I, got a, I got a glass of water right here. Just, just, just bear with me just a minute. Let's make a comparison to a person 
that a person that is unstable is water. I just made a short list. Water, its temperature is easily affected by its environment. When you're unstable as water and you're around backslid people, you're going to be backslid. When you're around spiritual people, you're going to act spiritual. When you're at church, you're going to act like you like being at church. When you're at the party and they're all drinking and smoking dope, you're going to fit in just right, right there with them. You're unstable as water. You're going to assume the temperature of your environment. This water right here is lukewarm. It was probably cool when they put it up here, but it's, it's assumed room temperature. Whatever that temperature is on that thermostat right there, it says 67. That's probably what that water is. I'm just going out on a limb. It will assume the temperature of this room because it's unstable. Another thing about water, unstable is water. It assumes the shape of its container. That water's in the shape of a glass. It's deep, ain't it? Stay with me now, some of y'all. This is deep. I did real good in science in school, okay? That water is in the shape of a glass because it's in a glass. If I poured it out right here, it would assume the shape of this pulpit with this little wall around it because it's unstable. It has no form on its own. Tell you something else about water. It always takes the path of least resistance. That's why, that's why rivers are crooked. Rivers and streams are crooked. They go around obstacles, trees and rocks, and they go around them. Interestingly enough, God sent John the Baptist and said, make my path straight. You move whatever's in the way. It's got to move. I'm not moving. Make my path straight. Whatever's in the way, get rid of it. I'm not going to let what's there define my path. Make my path straight. Come on now. But water follows the path of least resistance. And that describes about 90% of so-called Christians today. They got about that much fight in them. It's unbelievable. Somebody be taking God's name in vain right next to you and you won't say a word. Takes the path. Here's another thing about water. It always gravitates toward the lowest point. I could pour this water out right here on this pulpit and it would run down. It would run through a crack. It would run down. It would run down. It would run across this floor and it would run down and it would keep going down until it hit bottom. And that's what unstable people do. They always gravitate to the lowest point. They don't go up. They never go up. They always go down. My daddy said like this. He said, any old, any old dead fish can float downstream. It takes one with some life to fight the current. Fascinating. Nathan and Marissa and Landon are up in Alaska on deputation. They'll be up there for about the next three weeks. And, and, and Nathan said, I'm gonna get, they're going to take me, they gonna take me uh, salmon fishing. I said, I hate you. <laughs> salmon. Watch those fish. Watch those salmon swim up, up a waterfall. That is absolutely mind-boggling. But when a person is unstable as water, they always gravitate toward the lowest point. I've had a Christian school in my ministry since 2006. Been working with young people since before I got married. I was a youth pastor on staff at a church before I got married. Working with young people. And it is absolutely unbelievable to watch a backslid carnal young person will always gravitate to the most carnal backslid young person in the room. It's like they have the exact same radio frequencies. At the, at, at, in Genesis 11, at the Tower of Babel, when God confounded all the languages... And they all split up and went all over the world. You won't know what their common denominator was. It wasn't the color of their skin. It wasn't their, uh, it wasn't their love for food. It wasn't the kind of houses they lived in. The common denominator was the language that they spoke. Right. Right. 
and when God confounded the languages in Genesis chapter number 11, and everybody was speaking different languages, they were just all walking around talking until they found somebody that was speaking their language and they just kind of got in a huddle and they found everybody that spoke the same language and they said, see ya, and they all just went and found them somewhere to live. And they all lived together because they spoke the same language. You show me somebody that's unstable and they will gravitate like that to somebody else that's unstable. They never seem to want to get up close to somebody that's walking with God, that's got a prayer life, somebody that's on fire for God. They always gravitate to the lowest common denominator. Look at their social media pages. You wouldn't even know they was a member of Calvary Baptist Church. They never mentioned the church. They always post them pictures of their parties and their drinking and all their shenanigans. Unstable as water. It's amazing. Tell you something else about water. It's easily contaminated. It's easily contaminated. Stay with me now. I could, I could take, I could take a, a dead fish and I could lay it right up here on top of this thing right here and I could cut it open, have blood and guts everywhere and scales and just, it'd be the biggest mess. And I could take a sponge or a cloth and I could clean this thing off and I could clean this thing in about 30 seconds, I'd have this thing clean. But you take that same stuff and put it over in that cup of water right there, you ain't getting it out. It's ruined. <laughs> there ain't no cleaning that out of that glass of water. You got to toss it and start over. People that are unstable as water are easily contaminated. They've got no resistance to outside forces. They have no resistance to the fiery darts of the devil. They've got no resistance to the, to the nastiness and the filthiness and the pollution of the world. They can come in contact with the world and in two seconds, they're just like them. Just like them. You can't tell them apart. Jesus said, I'm going to wash your feet. I came in here, nobody wants to wash my feet. Peter said, wash me all over. Jesus said, I don't need to wash you all over. I just need to wash your feet. I need to wash the dust of the world off of your feet. I don't need to give you new feet. just need to wash the dust off. But you take somebody that's unstable as water, and they can spend 15 minutes on TikTok and be talking like a heathen. Somebody spirit-filled will just turn it off, close it out, or just delete the stupid thing. Somebody that's unstable as water, it's just, it's just, it affects the way they think, the way they talk, the way they act. Easily, easily contaminated, easily polluted. And not just a little bit polluted, thoroughly polluted. Here's another thing about water. It weakens and undermines everything it touches. Brother Wayne standing back on the back shaking his head. He's got, a, he's got an insurance business. People's sump pumps go out. Water heaters bust. Or their, pole, their swimming pool will bust and pour down in their basement. It don't help anything. It's, it's, a, it's a disaster. One pipe on the third floor can bust, pop a leak, and they could be going on vacation and come back home and they got six inches of water in their basement. And they don't walk in the door and go, oh great, this is, this is a great improvement. It ruins everything. Water, it's, it's, it's unbelievable that water weakens and undermines everything it touches. A church full of unstable Christians is a greater detriment to the church than the world is. Yes. And, a, and an unstable Christian will cause a pastor to lose sleep more than a lost person. The drug dealers out yonder on Dundalk Avenue don't keep me up at night. The prostitutes walking the street don't keep me up at night, cause me to wake up in a cold sweat. You know who does? Unstable Christians. Amen. You go... Just like walking into your basement and realize your sump pump has been out and it's been raining cats and dogs for two days. You go in and go, oh my goodness, are you kidding me? How many times has church members made me say that? Are you kidding me? What in the world? Let me turn my back for two minutes. 
Look at what happens. Unstable as water. Weakens and undermines. Tell you something else about water. Unsta- water, it breaks down everything that is exposed to if it's exposed to it long enough. You young people will learn this in science if you hadn't already. Water is called the universal solvent. Put something in there and leave it long enough, it'll, it'll break it down. It's rather smooth rocks in the river. You know, we've got, we've got people in our churches that are unstable as water. And that is not God's plan for the believer. He wants you to be established. He wants you to be rooted. He wants you to be grounded. I'm still in my introduction. Is everybody all right? The Bible's clear that unstable people struggle in areas that stable Christians do not struggle in. I'm going to give you three of them real fast. I know what time it is. I want you to write this down. Number one, I want you to see the frustration of the unstable. The frustration of the unstable. James 1.8. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. A man that is unstable is a man that is double-minded. And a man that is double-minded is unstable in all of his ways, not just one. An unstable believer is not just going to be unstable in their Christianity. They're going to be unstable in every area of their life. Their marriage will be unstable. Their relationship with their wife or their husband will be unstable. Their relationship with their children will be unstable. Their family will be unstable. Their decisions and their choices will be all over the place. There'll be no conviction, no confidence in any area. That's one of the frustrations of the unstable. You just never know where they're going to land. Like throwing a football. You don't know when it lands, where it's going. The frustration of the unstable is that they are unstable in all of their ways. Secondly, we see the foolishness of the unstable. In 2 Peter chapter number 2, Peter's talking about false teachers and false prophets. By the way, they're all over the place. They're, the woods are full of them. Here's what he talked about the false teachers and false prophets in 2 Peter 2.14. He said they have eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, talking about the false teachers. Then he says this, beguiling unstable souls. And heart they have exercised with covetous practices. Right in the middle of all these terrible qualities of a false teacher and a false prophet, one of the things he says they do is beguile unstable souls. Why? Easy prey. Easy target. If you're still in, if you're still in, in our text, if you're still in our text in Colossians, look at what he says in Colossians 2. I'm, I'm, I'm right there. He's talking about receiving Christ in verse 6. He's talking about being rooted and built up and established in verse 7. Look at what he says in verse 4. In this I say, lest any man should beguile you. With enticing words. Do you see that? Look down, look down at verse number 18. Let no man beguile you. If you're stable, you won't be cult bait. If you're stable, you won't be susceptible to false teachings and false doctrines. That's what he's talking about in Ephesians 4. That we be henceforth no more children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Your theology will be all over the place if you're unstable. And the, and the false teachers and the false prophets will see you coming. They'll see you coming a mile off. There's an easy mark right there. They have no idea what they're doing. Take advantage of them. Beguiling. That word beguile means to deceive. That's what it means. So we see the frustration of the unstable in James 1.8. We see the foolishness of the unstable in 2 Peter 2.14. But then thirdly, we see the fighting of the unstable in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 16. Here's what he said. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, 
which they that are unlearned and unstable rest. And that is spelled W-R-E-S-T. I hope you're looking at this in your Bible in 2 Peter 3.16. They that are unlearned and unstable rest or wrestle or fight as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Unstable people literally fight with the word of God. They don't fight with the word of God as in the sword of the spirit in their hand fighting with it. They fight against the word of God. They take the word of God and they wrestle it and they fight with it because they're unstable. And instead of just accepting it at face value, and instead of believing the Bible, and instead of living the Bible, and instead of making the Bible their standard for all matters of faith and practice, they spend all their time arguing and fighting with God about what he said. And the Bible says when you do that, you do that unto your own destruction. You're not going to win in a wrestling match with the word of God. His word is settled forever in heaven. The heavens and the earth may pass away, but God's word will not pass away. And if your practice when you hear preaching and teaching is to get in your car and go home shaking your head going, well, I can tell you right now, I know he said that, but I didn't, that don't apply to me and I didn't how that works. And, and, I, and, and they can do that if they want to, and that's fine, but God hadn't showed me that and the Holy Spirit hadn't convicted me of that. And, and I just don't, you just argue and argue and argue and fight and wrestle with the scripture. It's a sign of instability. A great day in your life when you start accepting God's word as the final authority and say, yes, sir, yes, you, Lord. And you just do what God said as you have been taught. That word rest means to twist. To It literally, I looked it up this morning. It literally means to torture like putting it on a torture's rack. Let me, let me, let me, let me give you an idea. If you're familiar with that concept of the torture's rack, they put somebody on there. And they're, they're, maybe they're torturing them because they're trying to get information out of them or whatever the case might be. And they, they're, 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 they're pulling them apart and they're twisting them, whatever that torture machine does. When we went down to see Brother Estep and his family down in Leon, Mexico, there's another place over from uh, Leon called Guadalajara. And we went over there and there was a castle that had, where they tortured people. You remember that, Brother James? Some of the most... Some of the most unbelievable devices and machines were in the basement of that dungeon where they tortured people. I mean, you're looking at it and you're going, oh my soul, could you imagine the screaming and the, and the weeping and wailing going on down here in this place? It was demonic with all these torturing devices. Here's what, here's what Peter says. Stay with me now. He says, here's what unstable and unlearned people do. They put the Bible on a torture rack and they twist it and they torture it until it finally gets to where it breaks and does what they want it to do. That's what they try to do with the Bible. They wrestle it. They torture it. They put it on a rack and they try to twist the scriptures. By the way, if you're a sold out, spirit filled Christian grounded in the word of God, you can recognize somebody wrestling scripture in the first two seconds they start doing it. Now, if you're weak, you'll go, oh, he's making a pretty good point. Making a good point, he's got the Bible twisted up like a pretzel. Right. Shocking. And we got people sitting in our churches, they get sucked into false teachers on the internet. They get sucked into these false preachers because he's got a bunch of followers. I'm telling you, man, wrestling the scriptures. Wrestling the scriptures. Man, by, that, by the time you get done twisting that Bible up, put it on your torture's rack to make it say what you think and what you want it to say, it ain't even close to what it says. That's what unlearned and unstable people do. Well, that's, that's the introduction. I didn't get to the secrets of stability. You got to come back tonight to hear that. There's some things you can do. There's some things you can do. And you're about to look at me. Some of you, some of you are right now, you're very interested in what I'm saying. Some of you are ready to go home and eat. That's because you're unstable. I'm not being ugly, but you, you don't want to be here. You want to go home and eat because you don't get it. But some of you right now can't wait till five o'clock tonight to hear the rest of this message. Because your Christian life is just like this. And you're like, what's my problem? Back up to the beginning of the message. You might need to make sure you're saved. 
And tonight we're going to look at some ways and some things that you can do that will put some stability in your Christian life. God, give us a church full of stable Christians. Father, we come to you this morning. And as we've read these verses, Lord, we've, we've become very convicted in our own heart. Lord, over the times when we're not as consistent and faithful and stable as we should be. I pray, Lord, that you would bring God's people back tonight for the rest of this message. And Lord, I pray, I pray, God, that you would help me to be able to communicate to your people the importance of being rooted in Christ, built up in Christ, and established in the faith. Lord, the church will never be able to reach its full potential. The church cannot excel if the church is filled with people that are unstable as water. I pray, Lord, tonight that you would put it all together in our hearts. But, Lord, right now, I pray that you would create within our hearts a desire for stability. Realizing, Lord, that it's your will for every child of God to have a consistent, steadfast, unmovable, stabilizing walk with you. And, Lord, it's possible. It is possible to have that. I pray, dear Heavenly Father, that you would just unite the hearts and minds of Calvary Baptist Church. And Lord, may we be grounded in the Scripture. May, Lord, we not be susceptible to false teaching, false doctrine. Give us what we stand in need of, I pray. I pray, Father, this morning, if there's someone watching the services online, that you would speak to their heart and minister to their heart. If they're not saved, maybe they'll reach out with us with a text message and let us help them. There may be somebody here this morning while folks are praying, folks are in the altar praying. There may be somebody here this morning while I was preaching, the Holy Spirit of God started dealing with your heart. Would you be honest this morning and just quietly slip your hand up, say, Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sure if I died right now. I would go to heaven and I want you to pray for me. Would you be honest enough to slip your hand up so I could see it, so I could pray for you? Anybody, anywhere? Preacher, pray for me. I wouldn't embarrass you for nothing in this world. I just want to pray for you. Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure. I see that hand. God bless you. Anybody else? Preacher, pray for me. I see that hand. God bless you. Anybody else? We would love to help you this morning. We wouldn't, we wouldn't want to embarrass you. We just want to help you. We want to take a Bible and show you how you can get that settled. There's nothing any greater than knowing for sure you're going to heaven when you die. Maybe you're here this morning and you're saved. You know you're saved. Nobody can move you on that. Nobody can budge you on that. You know you're saved. You've got that assurance. But you're not the stable Christian that you would like to be, that God would have you to be. Would you let God work in your life? Would you submit yourselves to Him?